Barbeat presents what's happening. Escape the back-to-high-school doldrums at Upchucks, the suburban bar that isn't squeamish when it comes to serving minors. Yes, at Upchucks, our doors open up right after dinner and don't close again until it gets dark outside. Pay a measly $85 cover charge, and we'll force you to drink a shot of Jack Daniels, a shot of Cuervo, Stoli, White Sag Gin, Scotch, Root Beer Schnapps, Drambouille, Cream to Myth, Leap from Ouch, and a quart of Bass Ale until you're left retching under the strobe light on our flashing, multi-tiered, washable dance floor. Anyone left standing is invited to light the bonfire that summons the police for a raid that puts the owners in prison and you on probation for the rest of your sophomore year. Every drink comes in a sticky glass at Rusty's, because at Rusty's all our bartenders have been out of the business for at least 10 years. We save the fancy bottle flipping for Tom Cruise, because at Rusty's our mixologist can barely remember how to make a gin and tonic. In fact, as soon as he finally gets good at making drinks, he's out of there. Wednesdays are flat beer night. Find any foam whatsoever and get a free half pitcher. Thursday is funny tasting Manhattan night. And of course, every Friday is short change night. Give any bartender any bill larger than a 10 and be astounded at how little you get back in change all night long they're not sure what they're doing at Committee Decision, a trendy River North theme bar without a theme. The three news anchors, two ex-football players, and four cosmetic surgeons who invested in this venture couldn't decide on anything, so what you get is stark white walls, liquor served straight up in plastic cups, while waitresses in their street clothes mill around and talk to the investors and their families who come in night after night to see what a tax write-off looks like firsthand. At Committee Decision, every Friday night is boombox night, if the busboy remembers to bring in his new cassette player. Dance to the repetitive, overmodulated beat of the same side of Michael Jackson's Thriller album until you can't stand it anymore. At the Holiday Inn, the Wedding Rings Off Lounge is moderately proud to present the droning, monotonous, new-age sounds of Schopenhauer forklift. You'll be lulled into a semi-conscious coma when Dave Schopenhauer plugs in the floppy disk that drives the Hitachi SR-427 and the mind-numbing stream of meaningless chord progressions begin and doesn't end until the management finds the circuit breaker because that's when Elvis impersonator Anthony LeClaire takes the stage with his wobbly tribute to the King of Rock and Roll if the King of Rock and Roll was a short, balding black man who played Funky Town on the harmonica over and over again while riding a unicycle. This is Steve Cronin. Call a Starby Dictaphone if you've got nothing better to do. Hello and welcome to the Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour. No less than 25 minutes of sketches, improv, songs, and whatnot from Duck Logic, a Chicago comedy group that had its own two hour radio show called The Cavalcade on WLUP AM 1000, a pretty big radio station at the time. Every Duck Logic half hour is chock full of bits pulled from the loop archives, plus new stuff thrown in for good measure. So take a load off, put your earbuds in, and have a listen. You'll be glad you did because here they come, polishing punchlines, writing gags, and jotting down jokes. There they go, wacky, something, something for you fine folks. Da, 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 something about funny, blah, blah, blah. Hope we don't choke. There you are, listening to her theme song. Ta, ta, lowbrow. You'll laugh and howl. Duck logic starting right now. It's the year 2069 in a galaxy far away from ours where the women rule the roost and men are prisoners of the planet of the submissive husbands. Tonight's episode, The Last Great Act of Defiance. I am Artho, leader of this sector. With the permission of my wife, Artho, I take the garbage out without argument week after week. I grovel at her feet when she complains loudly about my sexual expertise. I back down from all confrontations with my wife and all others of the opposite sex. 
This is the way we have survived through these many troubled lifetimes. This is the way it must be. Why must it be this way, Artho? The male population on Sector 322 have written new laws allowing men to scratch themselves in public and yawn loudly without retribution while shopping with their mates. Why can't we not do the same? Because, Derb, we are a submissive men who are not the type to stand up to our wives' demands. We are proud to be the son of milk toast and keeper of the panty waist. We would be wise to remember this credo and pass it on. Yes, honey. Right away, honey. Whatever you say, honey. I am sick of these ways. I am leaving the pack and starting a new sector of men who no longer listen to everything their wives say. We shall call ourselves the Chauvinists and bowl and drink the nectar of the land of sky blue waters when we feel like it. We shall call upon the loins of the mating wand when we deem necessary. Until then, we are out of town on business if any of our wives call. Who's with me? Very well, I shall go there alone. And I will wear the undershirts of the one who is allowed to do as I please. What will Artho do when his wife asks him about Derb? What will Derb do when his wife doesn't give a rat's ass? Where are the women in this show, and why haven't we had any strong female roles written in the episode? Stay tuned to next week's further adventures of The Planet of the Submissive Husbands. And don't forget to meet and greet Frank Sellers, the Planet of the Submissive Husbands' own Artho at the grand opening of the Great Big Shopping Place in Illinois, Illinois. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Mr. DeYoung. I read your resume, and I have to say I was very impressed. You've worked with Johnston and Flood, Inc., Southern Hillman and Fury and & Associates, and the Howard Fine & Howard Agency. All very good advertising firms for the West Coast. Here at Plagiarism, Nepotism, and Stark, I think you'll find that we accept only excellence. And I think that we think that you have that excellence. Why don't you have a seat in that chair over there? Uh, that chair? The one with all the wires? Uh, yes, that's the one. Good eye. Uh, I'm quite comfortable standing. Uh, did you like my portfolio? Oh, yes! It is very obviously well-bound. Top-of-the-line work, no question about it. <laughs> Why don't you have a little sit-down, hmm? No, thank you. Did you look inside my portfolio, um, even a little bit? Not necessary. Just a truly A1 job of binding. <laughs> Many of us here at the firm have commented on it. But why waste time talking about it when you could be sitting in that chair, the one just to your left. That chair is smoking. Uh, couldn't you just take a peek at my portfolio? Oh, all right. Oh, very good. Excellent work. Okay, sit down. Did you see the Nike campaign in there? Certainly. Imaginative use of colors. Mm -hmm. Or oh, the Coca-Cola spot. It's some of my best work. Yes, yes, yes. Obviously, you're very talented. Why don't you take a load off your feet, partner? Huh? We have a little film presentation we like to show prospective employees. It'll show you what the agency is all about. Just park it right over there. <laughs> Give those little doggies ears a rest. Well, okay, sure. Good lad. Are you comfy? Need anything? Coffee? Tea? No, no, no. Good. Now, pay attention. Yes? What the hell was that? I'm about 450 volts. Of electricity? Oh, yes. I mean, interviews for just the mailroom start at 400 volts. <laughs> you have been interviewed before, haven't you? I didn't see anything in your resume about a heart condition. You're nuts. You see, Brian, may I call you Brian? You can call me goodbye. Uh, sure, sure. Come in, Brian. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. 
Well, you see, Brian, I, I have more than 20 applicants for the position open here, many of them with really well-bound portfolios. <laughs> we must find out who really wants this job. Separate the wheat from the chef. You know, the interviewing process really comes to a halt when you stand up like that. Please sit down. Like hell. Oh, good aggressive attitude. We like that at plagiarism, nepotism, and Stark. Now, please have a seat. I'm going. Did I mention some of the benefits of working here? The company Soldier Field Skybox? The company Yacht at Montrose Harbor? The company Fleet of Sobs all at your disposal? <laughs> the free membership at the East Bank Club? The East Bank Club, really? <laughs> the 20% raise in salary after three months? <laughs> all our production work is done in Hawaii. We pay for all your clothing and gambling debts. <laughs> a four-day work week. A week off for the birthday of anyone you know. <laughs> your choice of executive secretary from our pool. We'll even get one that can type if that's what you want. Well, what's 450 volts? I thought you'd come around. Ready? Sure. <laughs> now, is that bad? No! Nothing to it! How about another 75 volts? No! Oh, why not? Very good. Let's just crank it up a bit more. You really want this job, don't you? I love this job! I love I love this <laughs> Very, very good. Okay, that's enough. I really like the cut of your jib, young man. I like you to meet Bob. He's in production in Hawaii right now, so uh, come back next week sometime. Or well, maybe the week after that might be better. Do you have a phone number? Well, then certainly stay in touch. Huh? Keep us abreast on what you're doing. Here, take this very well-bound portfolio with you, will you? Brian! Brian! Brian, wake up! Uh, oh, God. I just had the oddest nightmare. Brian, you're late for your interview. Get out of bed. Let's go. I think I'd better forget any job interviewing today. Uh... Okay, okay, and now, as a public service, the Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour Word of the Day. Today's word is. Slipshod. This has been the Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour Word of the Day. And now Duck Logic takes a long, lingering stroll down memory lane, wandering into an array of memory detours and a bevy of memory cul-de-sacs. They'll waddle through their long careers, enlivening us with the rich details of their comedic exploits, occasionally even remembering something that actually happened. So take it all with a grain of salt, a shot of tequila, and a slice of lime, or lemon if you must, as Duck Logic presents Foul Memories. I just remember moving from gig to gig in a box truck. I remember that break. I remember because, like, you guys stopped for gas, and I went inside to go to the bathroom, and I came out, and there wasn't any car there. So I hitchhiked down to where well, there was I a lump of like clothes in the back, and we thought that was you. I mean, it, you know, you're pretty much was always kind of a lump. That's pretty easy to like. That's indiscriminate at that point. I thought you, know? you picked up a girl at that gas um, station. We were leaving you there because we thought you you'd scored already. We haven't even made it all the way down to Florida, and you seemed to be getting along with her pretty I well. Did, I did pick up a mother figure, which was um, I think a good thing actually. So um, she had a mother figure. Yeah, she did have a mother figure. Yeah. And mom jeans too. I had a very Harold and Maude experience. Yeah. Which one were you? I was Maude. Uh, I, I knew you would zag. <laughs> I zigged when I was... What you're talking about is that time that we were just starting out, newly took the wrapper off of Duck Logic, and we were, we got a gig right away, pretty much, down in Fort Lauderdale. Which seemed like a good idea. I mean, we're young, and it's, it's spring break. We weren't the bitter old things that we are now. And so we thought, yeah. A gig? Yes. Yeah. Of course we'll do it. It was at a Holiday Inn or something, but still, yeah. it was Fort Lauderdale. They put us up all in the same room, but still, why not? 
Right, continental breakfast every morning. Oh, man. Piece of toast and some juice, but it was there. Yeah, I, I did like the waffle maker, that's for sure. You should have taken it to your room. Mm. Thing is, I had no idea just how much drinking really went on down there for spring break. It was very difficult <laughs> to make things connect. I mean, halfway through the show, we couldn't even keep their attention because women are taking their tops off, throwing them at each other in the audience. It was a better show in the audience than it was on the stage. And there's nothing funny yeah. about the topless woman. Exactly. Not, not really. No. Exactly. No. They're at a comedy show. What? what? That's not. They kept thinking we were Woody Woodbury. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird for a bunch of college freshmen and yes. sophomores to know who Woody Woodbury from the <laughs> 50s and 60s, a comedian. Probably a lot of them heard their dad's records, I think. In the beginning, the good Lord created heaven and earth, and then he created man. And from man, he took a rib, and he made woman. And he made a woman as we see her today, lovely to look at, delightful to hold, and heaven to kiss. Give her a wonderful figure and a fine personality. Give her pretty hair and pretty eyes and nose and cheeks and chin and eyebrows and eyelashes. Even gave her pretty ears, gave her pretty fingers and pretty toes. Gave her pretty white teeth and beautiful red lips and a gorgeous mouth. Then he put a tongue in it, ruined the whole damn thing. <laughs> Do you guys remember playing, what was the, that little fishing wharf place off the pier where you had a comedy show? Sheb's, um... Sheb, Sheb's Cod Shack. Cod Shack, yeah. One. Crab Shack, Shrimp Shack. They had shacks everywhere down shacks. there. Yeah. Mm, the Mollusk Shack. Oh, the Governor Shack. The Governor, yes. Yeah, that's where he lived. Back then they sold a Radio Shack, too. Yeah. Radio, <laughs> radio Shack was right there. Sheb's Cod Shack. We found out later, it was when we got down there, that it was kind of like a package deal. <laughs> that, you know, if you play this one, you got to play, yeah, play that one. It wasn't really a club. It was a shed. They were feeding people there. It was a restaurant. They were not expecting there to be comedy. A lot of the people had their backs to us. They were eating. And and the whole place kind of had a smell. Yeah. yeah. I, as I recall, I didn't see any of the people that were eating that night. I didn't see them on the beach or actually anywhere that next day. So they must have been in their hotels, like sleeping off the um, uncooked fish. and Yeah, the botulism. And, and the, the botulism, yeah, sure. The, yeah. Sure. Yeah. After trying to slog through night after night of comedy skits on stage in front of drunken college kids, we did freeform improv on the strip. I remember that. Yes. We're just oh, like, that's oh, true. That was very, fun. very San Francisco. Yeah, very street you know, theater. Yeah, all the hot chicks were there, and the guys driving by with their cars going, "Ooh, well, we're we're just give us an object," and boy, did we get the objects? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were just <laughs> flung at us. I mean, not not uh, literally. <laughs> I remember. I remember because there was four guys that they would drive by and say, "You're two gay guys," and I'm like, "Thanks a lot. That's a great idea." I don't know. I thought we did a couple of pretty good gay guy skits, Tim. You got a little handsy, but you know that goes. It was you were into it. I get it. Method acting. Good times. That's for sure. Um, our manager at the time, he sent us on that southern circuit a few times. Dickie Lyons. Dickie, Dickie Lyons. Lyons. Oh, yeah. Dickie. Always to the point and honest. You know, we just had to wash his car, vacuum the carpet in there. Good Get guy. your asses out there. So yeah. All week, we, his... we're doing shows. There's all these women are drunk. We figure you're going to get off the show. Maybe somebody's going to get a little lucky. Somebody's going to be fine. The three of us, nothing. Jim, I swear to God, I saw him go back to his room one night with three waitresses from that, the restaurant. Oh, man, the cod shack. Three of them. That's three women in one And one marries night. all three of them. And you guys said, well, and tell us about it afterward. Yeah, come on, tell us, tell us. <laughs> we, were... we didn't have cell phone cameras at that time, so he couldn't get us pictures or anything. I thought Jim married those three girls. Yeah, I can't that's remember. That's what they thought, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
For the night anyway, huh, Jim? I'm doing air quotes right now. Married. Yeah, married. air quotes. Uh, yeah, that's what we tell the kids. Yeah, no, Jim is married. No, I said, I said uh, well, the ceremony was in Cuban, so maybe you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> we should have come back loaded with STDs. Chock full. Yeah, and I, 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 I remember in the middle of the week that I had some kind of head injury, and I think I had aphasia. I don't know if that affected that. I don't see so, you know, that was a good Disney movie, Aphasia. Aphasia. That a was an orchestrated yeah. one with the the things moving all around that. I thought we could see some of that if we went kind of forgetting. Tim did. Tim saw Aphasia like I for saw half a day it, at least. I saw it through my head over That's and over again. What you get again. for like, you know, trying to dive off the third story balcony into the pool. You know what? It really was pretty impressive. I mean, you only missed it by that much. Yeah. You yeah. really. It was pretty close. Yeah. I, I thought you did a good job. He said this was in where the boys are. And he went flying. He said, I'm Paula Prentice and went flying off the balcony. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you guys, the podcast audience can't tell, but Tim really does look a lot like Paula Prentice. He's leggy. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. He's, he's, the legs, definitely. He's got legs up to here. Yep. Also, do you guys remember the um, costumes they gave us? You know, we had our own kind of suits that mm. we wore on stage. They yes. wanted us to have a look. We had a look, but it wasn't funny. No, it was not a funny look. Yeah, I guess they got him off some old groomsmen or something. We had the, like, frilly little shirt in the front and... Blue peach. My shirt didn't fit too well. I remember I had to wear that cummerbund over to cover up all those little... Actually, it might have been a mariachi band. Yes. Mariachi band outfit? Yeah, that's might have one of Jim's wives, probably. There was a lot more puffy stuff than I'm used to having on a suit, that's for sure. Puffy? Oh, puffy. Puffy, I yeah. I thought you said puppy. Puppy stuff. Well, that would it could be have been really, few... that'd be cruel to have, like, a puppy on your shirt. Smelled a bit. Yeah, a little bit of puppy stuff that, was on there. I know Dickie said run with it. Couldn't you run with it? Why can't you do like a sketch that's, you know, you're the old groomsman or so you're a groomsman. So, you know, you're meeting, it's your wedding. You got a wedding thing coming up. he was always free with his suggestions. Yeah, he was. uh, was. That was the only free thing about Dickie. Yeah, Yeah, that was true. Yeah. Old Dickie, 20% lions. Yeah, good guy. It's really great to have a, we can have this time to sit and remember all the things that I guess we did. That was a pretty hazy week, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if I remember exactly that way. But Tim told me I had fun. I tended to believe him. Maybe yeah. t- Tim's concussion, I remember. Yes. Uh, I don't know if he does and any of the time after it. But no, this is great. I guess it's pretty good that we can do this. And maybe we'll yeah. do it again sometime. And maybe, you know, we'll be funny that time. Eh. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's really no sense in sitting the bar that high, really. I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, really. You know, you're right. Let's not break any. That just makes people want to. Yeah, expect- they're going to expect it every time. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Let's not break the mold, shall we? It's like, don't give your dog hamburger. Good evening. I'm Andrew Worcester, and welcome to Money Matters, the show that attempts to present the big financial picture in terms a small investor can understand and apply. It's been an interesting week at the stock market with the Dow dropping radically and interest rates rising. All this combines to create an atmosphere of doubt and sometimes fear, hence the arrival of my guest today could not have been more timely. He is an author by the name of T. Fickle Newsom, whose book, Quick Books, How to Make Money for the Guy on the Corner, promises to teach, and I quote, anyone how to make thousands of dollars the easy way, unquote. I regret I've not found the time to read it myself, so maybe I should give the author a chance to explain it more completely. Hello, Mr. Newsom. Hello, Andrew. 
it's great to be on your show. There's lots of free money out there, and uh, I'm going to tell you how to find it. Well, we'll be glad to listen. Now, according to your bio, I just glanced over it. Your financial system uh, actually had its roots in your childhood. Well, yes, I made quite a killing at the local drugstore across from my schoolyard. Do you remember how gumball machines used to have a a winner? Yes. A a special gumball, usually yellow, and one that was not for eating but could be traded in for a candy bar. I think there was about maybe five in every machine. Uh, I believe I recall such a gumball. (laughs) Well, I played that game from second grade on through freshman year in high school, and I won that special gumball three times. Of course, that meant I got three candy bars from for one cent apiece. I like the sound of those numbers. How about you? <laughs> yeah. So you right. go ask the guy in the corner if he wants a candy bar for a penny, and he'll take you up on it real quick. <laughs> See what you mean. Uh, financial investment is always a game of chance, but if you've got the stomach for it, you can be a big winner. Well, tell us more about your recent endeavors, though. Well, uh, you ever seen them games they got at, at bowling alleys? You, you bowl much? You, you seen? No, not really. Well, they got them at airports sometimes. Okay, I go through many airports. I, well, what they do is they got a bunch of stuffed animals piled on top of each other mm-hmm. with, a, with a claw hanging over the top. And, yeah. You know, it, it drops down and, and grabs oh, them. Oh, yeah, I know exactly well, what you I've mean. done quite well with those machines. Oh, um, so you have a financial interest in the vending machine business. I understand that can be lucrative. Yeah, that's the understatement of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Care to expound? Well, sure. I go in there, put a quarter in the machine, and boom, a claw grabs a stuffed elephant, and I'm ahead three bucks. Those animals got to cost them two or three. Are you saying you play these games? Well, I've been playing the games like this for five or six years now. I must have a collection of six, seven, maybe even eight of those darn things. I wouldn't call it a game, though. More of a business for me than a game. Yes, they make thousands off those each year. Yeah, right. You give them a quarter and they give you a $3 stuffed animal. Someone's paying for it. And I'll tell you one thing, buddy boy, it ain't me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's backtrack. You say you've played these games for six or seven years. You, you must have spent hundreds of dollars, and yet all you've got to show for it is a handful of stuffed animals. Yeah, but the ones that I won only cost me a quarter to win. Now you go up to the guy in the corner and ask if he wants to trade a quarter for a $3 stuffed animal, and he's going to say, yes, sirree, real quick. <laughs> I see. <laughs> There's deals like this all over the place. You just got to know how to find them. Okay. Uh, do you have another example? Sure. Take uh, the lotto. That's a good one. I've right. been cashing in on that fiasco for years. Let's see. I played every day since, what, 1983. I must have won dozens of times. Just two months ago, I walked into my local lottery store, plunked down a dollarino, and won the instant game. And what did you win? Another ticket. And did you win anything on that ticket? No. But the point is that I only paid one dollar and got two one dollar tickets out of the deal. I mean, if you go ask the guy in the corner to trade you a dollar for two lottery tickets, he's going to jump on it, buddy boy. I mean, that lotto thing should be illegal. I don't know how taxpayers even stand for it. Uh, I understand where you're coming from, I think. I mean, it doesn't seem to make good financial sense. Maybe you have another example. Uh... Well, yeah, yeah. There's one thing that I just found out about a few days ago. I didn't even get it into my book, and I'm almost afraid to let the listeners in on it for fear they might, you know, beat me to the punch. Okay. I got a friend who got $1,000 free. You hear me? $1,000 got $1,000 free. Well, that sounds good. He walked into a Cadillac dealership 
and the guy just handed him a thousand dollars. All he had to do was buy a car. That's it? <laughs> That's it. I mean, the stupidity of some people give money away like that. I would like to have been at the board meeting when the salesman proposed the idea in the first place. Hey, let's give a thousand dollars away to strangers. <laughs> what an idiot. But look, your friend spent thousands of dollars on that car. Yeah, well, he needs a car, right? What's He's got to drive around in something. I don't care what you say, man. You ask the guy in the corner, Hey, you want $1,000 free? He's going to say, yup, real quick. I'm sorry, this is getting ludicrous. You keep mentioning this guy on the corner. Are you referring to the metaphorical man on the street? Well, yeah, but he's not on the street. He's on the corner. If he was on the street, he'd probably get hit by a car. Maybe my friend's new Cadillac. Okay, okay. But you don't see, see... In every case you mentioned, the money invested far outweighs the return. These are games of chance that have been carefully manipulated to make you come out the ultimate loser. You've lost money. Well, I don't know what you mean. If you call a loser a guy who used to be on the corner but now is driving around in a nice car with cash in his pocket surrounded by furry animals and eating candy bars, then you can call me a loser anytime you want. I'll be happy to be a member of that club. <laughs> well, I have to start doing some research before I authorize people to be guests on this show. I think the lesson we've learned today is you can never do enough research on any investment of time or money. My name is Andrew Worcester. I regretful thanks, I guess, to my guest, T. Fickle Newsom. I hope his book uh, does poorly. And uh, we'll see you next week on Money Matters. Thank you very much for bearing with us. Yes? Mrs. Jeffries, we're from the police. I'm Sergeant Phillips, this here's Officer Torres, and we'd like to ask you some questions about the bank robbery on Tuesday. Why, sure. Come on in. Can I get you two some coffee? Let me get you coffee. Uh, no, ma'am. We're just looking for information. It's no trouble. Really? Honestly, I don't mind. I can put a pot on real quick. No, no, that's okay. We, we just have a couple of questions. Come on. Wouldn't you just love a cup of steaming hot coffee right about now? Well, okay, if you insist, sure. I'd love a cup of coffee. Oh, goody, I knew it. Everyone likes coffee, right? I know you do. I'll just be a sec. Vince, it's only a few questions. Sure, go ahead, ask away. I can get the coffee brewing while we talk. Go on. Um, all right. Mrs. Jeffries, you were in line at the bank when the gunman came in? Yes. I was standing in line trying to cash a check. Coffee's percolating. I love the aroma of coffee. It's so intoxicating. Can you smell the aroma? Did you see how many gunmen there were? I counted three. One guy was doing all the talking, yelling, really. The other two didn't say anything. Can you smell the nutmeg? I'd like to add a titch of nutmeg. Ah, thank you. Very helpful. Did you get a look at their faces? Uh, they were all wearing masks, like winter ski masks. Do you take sugar? I also have Splenda. All right, then. Thank you, Mrs. Jeffries. We, we won't bother you anymore. Uh, if you think of anything else, give us a call. Uh, we can let ourselves out. Okay, here we go. Ta-da! Coffee! Hot and fresh in my best china coffee pot. Um, well, those were all the questions we had for you. You were very helpful. But... I made coffee. 
A fresh pot. You said you wanted coffee. Why would you say you wanted coffee if you didn't want any? Who doesn't like coffee? No, no, we've got to get going. Uh, we uh, just... Well, you can't leave without coffee. I insist you must stay for coffee. Yes, but, well, we can't stay, I so... I opened a box of Girl Scout cookies. Jim, there's Samoas. Vince, we've got another witness to interview. I ground the beans myself by hand with a mortar and pestle. Well, when you put it that way... Mmm, very good. I'm catching a hint of cinnamon. Nutmeg. It's nutmeg, my secret ingredient. I only add it for special guests. Yes, flavorful. Uh, thank you very much. Now, we really got to go. A sip? Oh, no. You better drink the whole cup. Uh, but... <sighs> you're going to sit and you're going to drink your cup of coffee. I busted my hump making that coffee. Went through all that trouble. The least you can do is sit and enjoy it. Uh, seriously? We're, we're kind of in the middle of... I said sit down and finish your coffee. Cookies? Well, there you have it, the Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour, show number 91, featuring David Dunlosky, Tom Giannis, Walter Mitchka, Bob Odenkirk, James F. Russell, and Tim Thomas. Check out our Facebook page and our website, ducklogiccomedy.com. Do it. Portions of this podcast were previously broadcast on the radio under the copyright of Duck Logic Limited and the licenses of WLUP AM and FM in Chicago. Thanks for listening. See ya.